Father, we thank you for the victory that we have in Christ. We thank you that greater is he who is in us and he is in the world. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us more than conquerors, overcomers, victors. And Lord, we pray that we would have greater insight into, Lord, our authority in you, the battle which you have us in. I pray, Lord, this would be whatever this room was like when we started, that this room, as we end, this is, a, this is a room full of warriors. Warriors confident in your word, confident in who we are in Christ, confident that the battle is, is won, and we are winning. So, Lord, we just pray now that I pray that you would just anoint me, Lord, to speak the truth clearly and simply. And I pray, Lord, it would be more than information. I pray that you'd release the power of the kingdom in greater measure because we've had this time together. I pray we'd walk out of here as those who know how to walk in greater kingdom power and authority. And so, Lord, we ask that there would be a release by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, we're going to pick up where Jerry stopped. And he got to the part in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about Prayer. Now, what's interesting is that oftentimes when you hear someone speak about the spiritual armor, and Jerry doesn't do this, he just ran out of time, but a lot of times people will close the, the cabinet, so to speak, on the spiritual armor a little too soon. They stop here before, the, and they stop before they get to prayer, and prayer really is really key to us winning the spiritual battle. So let's go ahead and read those verses, Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 there in your notes. So with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And listen to this now. This is the Apostle Paul here. Everywhere he went was either, you know, a riot or a revival. He says this, and pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me, in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So I want to say a few things about prayer here before we move on to deliverance part. Uh, one thing I want to point out is this, this, this request that Paul has, uh, to me, is, it's, it's really powerful. He has a request that he be prayed for. Now, I know that you guys are praying for people, but let me ask you this. Who's praying for you? Not who do you hope is praying for you, but who are you sure today is praying for you? You know, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people are praying for me, but there's a few people I specifically got eyeball to eyeball and asked them to make a commitment to me. Will you pray for me every day? I think all of us ought to have, you know, at least five or six people that we know are praying for us today. And you're thinking, well, I don't know if I have anyone. Well, that would be a good assignment for this week. Before you're done with this week, so I'm going to get five people that will commit to pray for me every day. I mean, if the Apostle Paul says, pray that I will speak as I ought to speak, I mean, how much... 
more do we need to have people praying for us that, we ought to, that we'd speak as we ought to speak. It's so easy to back down from the battle. And so we need, we've been talking about this battle, but we need people praying for us to fight this battle. I'll be heading uh, to Burma on Wednesday morning to minister to about 60 Burmese pastors. And I'm going, I'm going around specifically asking people, will you pray for me? That I will speak as I ought to speak. And it won't be just words, it will be the power of the kingdom. See, so we need to, be, we need to get some people. In fact, I even printed cards up. Uh, of some specific things to pray and handed it to people that I, that I knew would pray for me and said, here's what I want you to pray for me. And so, by the way, I'm asking you, will you pray for me? Yes. Okay, now, that's great, but I think we all need to look some people in the eye that we really know are going to say, you know, sure as, sure as I got a breath tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm praying for you. And we need that. We need that kind of prayer support. This, this battle we're in is a real battle. And there are real casualties. And we need real power. And I tell you what, there's a connection between the level of prayer and the level of Holy Spirit power in any church. You know, I mean, I tell you, you can have a church that talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, but there can be a lot of hype if there's not the prayer to support it. There's going to be a level of prayer that really releases true power. And so we need people praying for us that we would walk in really kingdom power and authority. And so that's the first thing I want, I want to mention. The second thing I want to mention about prayer is it's interesting that there, there's a lot of fads that come through the church about prayer. And I would encourage you to pray biblical prayers, follow biblical patterns of prayer. I mean, Jesus gave us a pattern of prayer, right? We call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, it's disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. But it's our pattern of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really in John 17, where he, he prays to the Father. That's his prayer, but he's teaching us how to pray, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But also we have the Apostles' Prayers. We have patterns of praying. What's interesting is Ephesians chapter 6, where Jerry just did such a great job of going through the armor, and a lot of people finally get the light turned on in their mind about a spiritual war and armor, and how should we pray? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3 have two prayers that the Apostle Paul prays, Right? So here he is in Ephesians 6 talking about spiritual warfare, and here's the two prayers he prays in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. That means, in my mind, that those are prayers in light of spiritual warfare. Does that make sense? I ought to be praying those kinds of prayers. Let me tell you a mistake I made. I don't know how many guys remember. I think it was like 19, I think it was in 1989, Frank Peretti wrote the book, This Present Darkness. How many of you guys read this book, This Present Darkness? And in that book, I mean, it's a fascinating book. And it and really is, God used it in many positive ways to awaken people's reality to the fact there's a spiritual war going on around us. But there are certain things that happen in that book, certain patterns that really we don't have a biblical precedent to follow. For example, we do know that there are, there are different, there's a, there's, a whole, there's a whole authority structure in the invisible realm. Just like there's an angelic authority structure, there's also the fallen angels still have an authority structure. There are powers and principalities and authorities. And so there is this structure. And we know there are principalities or ruling demons over different regions. We know that. Daniel chapter 10, we see that, right? And so we know there's a structure under Satan of these demonic powers. And, and that there's, there's probably a demon that's over 
you know, Fort Worth, and maybe there's one over the Metroplex, and there's one, Metroplex, maybe there's one over Arlington, but there's some structure like that. Well, Peretti's book gives you the idea that we can uh, pull down those authorities over cities. And it became a very popular way to pray in 1989, 1990. If you were really into, I mean, if you really were filled with the Spirit and the Spirit-filled church, then you had these prayer gatherings where you called down the principality over Arlington in the name of Jesus. You called them down. Now, that sounds pretty interesting, doesn't it? The problem is we don't have any precedent in the Bible of that. We don't see the apostles doing that. We don't see Jesus and the apostles dealing with demons unless demons manifested in a person and they cast them out. So this idea of praying that way, well, I made this huge mistake of I got swept up in it a little bit, and I thought because I was really wanting to fight spiritual warfare, and I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute, but there was a young lady who came to one of our meetings, and she was the daughter of the satanic high priest of Fort Worth. And Jerry and I spent three days, and I'll tell you the whole story in a little bit, but basically uh, dealing with her and casting these demons out. But in the process of doing that, I'm going to jump to the end of that story. I'll tell you the rest of the story in a little bit. process of doing that, as, as, as I'm speaking to these demons coming out of her, and there were many, I commanded the demons in the name of Jesus to give me the name of the principality over Fort Worth, where her father was the satanic high priest. And they told me the name. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, and I used that name of that principality, I said, I, I cast you down in Jesus' name. And as I was saying all that, the demon and the girl looked at me, and the demon said, you can't do that. And I thought, I'm not sure I can either. Because I don't have, I don't have any spiritual uh, model for doing that. Well, the next three nights, I was, I laid in my bed and had the worst three nights of my life. There was a darkness that really came into my room that's never happened before that, never happened since. And, and there, was a, there, was a, there was a darkness that pressed up against me, and I thought I was going to die. And I laid there praying just simple as I could, praying, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I got a phone call the next morning. Actually, I got three phone calls that next day from three different pastors, friends of mine in this, in this region. All of them said, the Lord woke me up last night to pray for you. What's going on? Three different guys, unconnected. The Lord woke me up last night to pray for you. What's going on? I said, I think I made a mistake. I think I violated a spiritual rule of some sort. And, I, and so I started going back. And that, that, that's one of the things that drove me to say, you know what? If I don't see Jesus and the apostles doing it, I'm not very interested in doing it. You understand what I'm saying? If we want to make sure that we are on track with what the Bible teaches, we're on track with following how Jesus and the apostles did things, and we are not interested in fads. Fads will get you hurt, get you in trouble. Make sure that we're on solid ground. And so uh, it became real important to, in my mind to know how do we pray the, the, the kind of prayers that we ought to pray in light of spiritual warfare. And there's a pattern in the book of Acts. In fact, in your notes, some of these verses here, you can look. There's a pattern here. We see in Acts 1.14. I just want you to see this pattern. 
We see in Acts 1.14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary and the mother Jesus and with his brothers. So in Acts 1.14, we have the upper room. There's a prayer meeting going on, right? Who knows how long that prayer meeting went? Anybody? Ten days. Ten days. They're in this prayer meeting. All right, so we see prayer, and then we see Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving utterance. So now we have prayer, and then we have power. Okay, now it's not in here, but write Acts 2.41 in there. Acts 2.41, we really need to, should have added that to the notes. Acts 2.41. Let me read it exactly for you here. Okay, it says, so then, this is after Peter preaches at Pentecost. So then those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'd say that's pretty effective ministry, wouldn't you? And then verse 42, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then there's this amazing community, uh, faith-filled community. So we have prayer, then we have power, and then we have ministry. Okay, what happens next? Okay, Acts 4, verse 31, and, I mean Acts 4, 18. And when they had summoned them, this now the, the, the Sanhedrin, the leaders, religious ruler leaders, Jewish, Jewish leaders summoned them, talking about uh, Peter and John here. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So now we have persecution. We have opposition. I want you to notice that. Prayer led to power. Power led to ministry. Ministry led to opposition. Okay, well, what happens next? Well, they go to the prayer meeting, okay, verse 41, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So now they prayed again, what happened? Power. What's interesting is the pattern continues. They have more ministry. What happens, you get to Acts chapter 5, there's more opposition. I just want you to see that pattern. Prayer, power, ministry, opposition. When the opposition happens, you don't go, Oh, God must not be with us. No, you go back to the prayer meeting, right? And you pray, God gives more power. There's more ministry. There's more opposition. That is the normative Christian life. That is how Christian warfare is fought. We will pray, God will give us power, we'll have effective ministry, and we should expect opposition to come. When it comes, we don't get discouraged, we don't get afraid, we go back to the prayer meeting. We pray, God releases more power. There is a connection between prayer, power, ministry, and it is almost always going to be followed with opposition. So expect it. Expect it. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be intimidated. Don't back off. Go back to the prayer meeting. <clears throat> back to the prayer meeting. Okay? So this is really an important pattern that we need to remember. In fact, this pattern goes on in your notes. I have Acts 16. There as well, later in notes under prayer, the same pattern happens. I want you to see, it says, they, it says, and it happened, they were going to a place of prayer. Why? Because 
they understand how crucial prayer is. What happens? Well, they're, they're walking in power. Remember, there's a girl with the spirit of divinations following them. What's interesting here is Paul doesn't go deal with it right away. He's trying to preach the gospel. But this girl becomes a distraction. So then he casts the demon out, right? I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. That is power, and there is ministry there. So what happens next? What do we expect to happen? Prayer, power, ministry, opposition. So what does happen? Well, they're thrown in jail, right? They're thrown in jail. So are they, did they do, do they get discouraged and say, well, golly, God's not just not with us? No, what do they do? They have a prayer meeting in the jail, right? What happens after they, they're singing, they're praying, what happens next? Power. Okay, what happens? I mean, you remember what happens in there? It says that there came an earthquake. It sounds like power to me. A great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison house were, were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's chains were unfastened. That's power. So what happens next? We'd expect some ministry to happen. What happens? The Philippian jailer, what does he say? You know, how then can I be saved, right? He's asking, how can I be saved? And what do they say? They lead him and his whole family uh, to faith in Christ. So again, you have prayer, power, ministry, opposition. Why? Because we're in a war. The devil does not want to give up ground. He doesn't want to give up ground, so he's going to oppose us. We expect it. So what do we do? Do we just get smarter and follow some great program? You go back to the prayer meeting. Why? Because we're not going to defeat him with a smart, this is a good program, right? We're going to have to have power. Prayer, power, ministry, opposition. He wants to stop us. He cannot stop the message, so he has to stop the messenger. And so what does the messenger do? Go back to the prayer room. Go back to the prayer meeting. Get more power. Go do more ministry. It's, this is supernatural. I'm going to say one more thing about prayer uh, just for the sake of our time here. I, do want, to, I want you to notice under uh, Roman numeral 3, be on the alert with all perseverance. Our tendency is to sleep when we should be praying. Now let me just, let's just go through this passage. I just want to point a few things out here. This is, this is the night that Jesus is betrayed and goes, is arrested and eventually is going to be crucified. Let's just read this account in your notes there. It's in Matthew 26. Then Jesus said to them, You all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I said to you that this very night before a cock crows, you shall deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Now he sounds like a guy ready to fight, right? He's ready to fight for the Lord. Okay, but remember, this is a spiritual fight. He's going to have to be pray. He's going to have to have prayer to fight this fight. So, anyways, he says. Uh, 
He says, even if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. So all the disciples, uh, they all have resolve. They resolve to fight the fight. They resolve to be true to the Lord. They have resolve. But they're about to find out resolve is not enough. And this is real important that we get this before we leave this prayer section. You, you came here and you, there's some resolve you have to fight spiritual warfare, but you've got to know resolve is not going to be enough. It is not enough. It wasn't enough for them. And it will not be enough for us. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, James and John, began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He's asking for them to pray with him, right? And he went a little beyond them, fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. Again, now remember, he said, he's asked them to come pray. Jesus understands the importance of prayer in a battle that's, that's upon them. Jesus is praying. He's going to be ready for his part of the battle, which, by the way, is the biggest part by far, right? They're not praying. They're sleeping, all right? So they're not going to be ready. Jesus said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. Now, what is the temptation that they may enter into? The temptation is the temptation to defect, to leave Christ, to leave loyalty to Christ. That's the temptation he's talking about, temptation to defect. All right. So he says again, now, keep watching and praying so that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's already heard that they've got this willing spirit, right? He's already heard the resolve, but he knows the flesh is weak. You're not going to have enough to handle this battle in the flesh. You will not have enough. Okay? So he went away a second time and prayed, saying, Father, this cannot pass away until I drink it, thy will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping, for their eyes are heavy. He left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. He's trying to get them to pray so they'll be ready for the battle. By the way, this is really an important word of the Lord to you. You guys, if you're going to be ready for the battle that's ahead of us, you better, you better learn to pray. We, all of us better learn the importance of prayer. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping, Take your, taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. And so what happens? Well, they arrest Jesus. Jesus is ready. Right, he's put his prayer time and he's ready. He's ready to go to the cross. He's ready to bear the sins, shame, and guilt of all humanity. He's ready. The disciples aren't ready for much of anything, are they? And they all scatter. They all defect. At that night, they defected. They scatter. Okay, now, Peter, the apostle Peter, learns this lesson. 1 Peter 5, 8. Here's what he writes. Years later, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your devil, I mean your adversary, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. And so Peter learned his lesson. 
that there's a spiritual war to fight. There's a devil out there who's real. He wants to devour us. And the only way we're going to be able to stand up against him is to be alert and have a prayer life. So all the armor Jerry talked about is crucial. We have to have that. And then we have to have a prayer life. We're not, you, I tell you, we will not be ready for the days to come, which are going to be difficult days, if we don't really learn to pray. I mean, really have a prayer life. We're part of a community that's, that's developed a prayer life. And so that really is the main thing I want to point out there is that we're in a spiritual war. We better, we better have a prayer life. And we better make sure that uh, uh, we really are pressing into the Lord and knowing him and loving him and receiving from him so we're ready to handle what's coming. We need spiritual insight. We need revelation. We need direction. We need empowerment. We need all that because there's a battle that is, that is ahead of us that cannot be fought with the flesh. Amen? Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, demonization and deliverance. The, uh, I'll tell you, the first time this became real to me, I'd been a Christian for two years. I became a Christian in college. And I was 22 years old, and I was, and I was with Campus Crusade for Christ in the Palau Islands. And as I was there, they, you know, I, was, I was just soaking up everything. I wanted to learn everything. And I believed, I believed everything in the Bible to be true. I still believe everything in the Bible is true today. Do you? I mean, I believe that the same power that's available to the disciples that follow Jesus is available to us today. And I believe the same things that happen in the book of Acts can happen today. And so when I was, I was there and I was, I was excited. I mean, I, I, had a, I, just, I just learned this verse, you know, greater is he who is in us and he who is in the world. And I knew, I knew, the, I knew that the Holy Spirit living in me was, was more powerful than whatever the devil could bring up against me. Anyway, some of the other uh, missionaries there in the Palau Islands were telling me to watch out. There's, there's this warlock guy, and he's really evil, and he's scary, and they really stay away from him. And I thought, wait a second. I just learned this verse. Greater is he who's in us than he's in the world. Why are we afraid of this person? I mean, we have the, we have the living God living in us. So I said, I want to go, go see this person. And so I couldn't get them to come with me. And, and, and one of them actually came, but he stayed back. I said, let's go talk to this guy. So I went up to him, and I walked up to him, and he saw me, and he came at me, and he was like in this like trance-like state. And he walked up, and he got eyeball to eyeball with me, and he said, look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. I said, what? He said, I am the Lord. And I looked in his eyes and said, you're not the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And when I said that, he collapsed on the ground. And he started, he started writhing on the ground, and he said, I'm empty, I'm empty, help me, help me. Now I'm telling you, at that point I thought, this stuff is real. Now a lot of times we, we, think, we think spiritual warfare is real, but it's, it's still kind of in a quasi-imaginary place in our life. But that day, for me, it became real. This, this is no game. This is real stuff. And I'll tell you, uh, I remember as a kid, we used, to, we used to play in this abandoned house down the road, and we would play, like, scare each other. And we'd hide in four or five friends. We'd hide in different rooms, and one of them come around and go, boom, go, oh, you got me there. We'd be scared. And one day, we were all together, and we heard footsteps. And then we got really scared. 
because now we knew it wasn't one of us. Somebody else is in this house, and it might even be the boogeyman. I mean, we were little, you know? But I'm just talking about it. There became a different level of, you know, reality there for us. It became a real scare thing. Well, I'm telling you, spiritual warfare became a real thing to me that day. That day that this, isn't, this is real stuff. This is not imaginary. There is an invisible realm. There are really demons. And we really do have this power because of God living in us. It's his power, but it is in us if we believe in Christ. So this, we're talking about something very real, real here. The, uh, how many of you guys, when, uh, maybe you shouldn't admit to this. Uh, this what, what year was it? 1975 when The Exorcist came out? And I wasn't even a Christian. But I remember going to that movie. And I had a, I had a date with uh, the head cheerleader. And I took her to the movie Exorcist. Very smart guy, right? <laughs> so I'm going to the movie, and in line to the movie, there, there was this group of, of Pentecostal Christians with signs that uh, Satan has power, but Jesus has more power. And they were praying out there uh, for the people going into the movie. And I thought, what am I going to? So I go into this movie, and it's a horrible movie. If you hadn't seen it, don't see it. But the whole idea, the discussion came after that, is this stuff real? I don't know if you guys remember those, you know, live back then, remember that all of a sudden Billy Graham had to come out and say, it is real, but don't go see the movie because it's, you know, it's really vulgar and, and you know, really horrific. But, but it is real. This stuff really happens. And so a lot of people started thinking, you know, this is real for, for a little while. But the truth is the Bible talks about it. Let's just read under... The fact that they do have, they can have control, Matthew 15, 22. The words translated demon-possessed in most translations. It's literally one word, it's so demon-possessed is probably hyphenated uh, in your translation because it's one Greek word. Literally, it's demonized. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Okay, so this is, there, there is, there is, it is true that a fallen angel demon can actually control somebody. They can, they, but that person, if, as that person yields their control, they can control them. And so let's look at this, your notes here. The demons are commanded to come out of the person. We have Mark 9, 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. Also Acts 8, 7, For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. Acts sixteen eighteen, And she continued doing this for many days. This is this woman that was following, harassing Paul with a spirit of divination. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. So the Bible clearly teaches that a demon can be in somebody, be controlling them, and that they can be cast out of that person. All right? All right, a demonized person is like a house to a demon. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. That's interesting, waterless places. Why does the demon go to waterless places? I think it's because 
water really is uh, the, the uh, picture of judgment in the Bible. But anyways, it's trying to avoid this judgment. Then it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. So it's possible for a demon to be cast out of somebody. And that person is like a house to the demon. And if that person doesn't receive Christ as their Savior and Lord, that demon can come back. And in this case, Jesus says, go and bring seven worse than itself with it to inhabit this person. I'll tell you the rest of that story about uh, the daughter of the satanic high priest of Fort Worth. It's interesting. We were actually, it was a Sunday morning. We were meeting in a house many years ago. And uh, Jerry, you remember all this vividly, don't you? When she came in, we actually, I was teaching on spiritual warfare that day. She comes into our meeting and she starts manifesting demons during the meeting. And we probably had a hundred people in the meeting. And so we took her to a back room and, and I, and I grabbed like eight guys to come with me who had never dealt with anything like that before. I said, you guys come on in here. And, and so I think it's just me and Jerry and Jerry's the only guy that really had and so we spent the next three hours trying to cast the demons out of her. And we couldn't get the demons out. Now remember, and I'm going to, go to come to this passage in a little bit, Jesus talks about this kind comes out only with prayer and fasting. Now sometimes you can cast a demon out simply saying, I mean, I mean, just kind of a, just in Jesus' name come out, and it's, it's done. And sometimes it takes more. This kind comes out, Jesus said, only with prayer and fasting. So we tried for about three hours, and we weren't making much progress. It was a constant battle. The demons were speaking. There's more than one of them, and they knew things about me that, could, that this girl couldn't have known. And we, uh, so we just decided we're going we're gonna, to you know, go ahead and take some time to fast and pray. So we did for a few days. Met with her again. And after the fasting and praying for three days, it was just, we, there was no arguing, yelling, just in Jesus' name come out, and they all come out. Amen. And then she had these, these tears running down her cheeks, and, and I said, so, so what do you feel now? She said, peace. I said, okay, well, you need to have Jesus come in your life now. She said, I don't want Jesus. I said, then they're going to come back. I don't want them back. I said, then you need Jesus. I don't want Jesus. Then they're going to come back. And she said, I don't want them back, but I don't want Jesus. I just want to live my life in peace. I said, it's not, that's not how it's going to happen. And this is how the story ends, right, Jerry? This is how the story ends. We actually had... And it was a sad ending because there was an opportunity. She still has to choose Jesus, right? It's up to her. I mean, God is not going to force anybody's will. They still have to respond. And she would not. And this, this story really got messy because I, because her father, who is a stand, was a standing high priest of Fort Worth, was involved in all kinds of crimes, drugs and murder. And, and I had... Detectives calling me, wanting to see if I could get, their, get, get the daughter to testify against them and try to pull me into the whole thing. I said, whoa, whoa, time out, guys. 
I mean, you can talk to her, but I'm not going to be used as someone to get her to do something. I'm trying to get her to come, you know, to Christ right now. And anyway, she, she kind of went on with her life at that point. But uh, it's, it's that's, you know, like demons can be cast out, but a person, if Jesus doesn't take residence by the, by the power of his spirit in somebody, those demons can come back. They can come back. Okay. So let's, look, let's talk about the characteristics some. Um, there's lots of characteristics of a, when someone's demonized, severe sickness oftentimes, and sometimes it's dumbness, you know, where they can't, uh, they can't speak, Matthew 9, 32, 33, as they were going, as, as they were going out, behold, uh, a dumb man, demon-possessed, was brought to him, and after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. So, and then and there's also cases where there's a connection between blindness and a demon, connection between deformity and a demon, connection between epilepsy and a demon, connection between insanity, suicidal mania, and demons. And so, now, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that every sickness has a demon connected with it. I don't believe that's true. But some do. Some do. Some, some sicknesses are, there is a demon connected with it. We need to keep that in mind. There was a, another prayer meeting that Jerry and I were in together with some others. Uh, I don't know, Mel, you might have been at this one. I'm trying to think. This is, we were in a meeting. At, uh, it was a Monday night intercessory meeting, and a, and a lady heard about it. She brought her son, who was seven years old, who'd been traumatized and hadn't spoken in nine months. So he was, I mean, he definitely could not speak, hadn't said a word, hadn't uttered a sound in nine months. So she heard that, that the, the Lord could heal her son from this, and so she brought her son to the prayer meeting, and we're in the process of worship. And during the worship, what's interesting, if someone's demonized, then, then if, during, they can't handle worship services very well. I'm talking about real worship services where you know, the manifest presence of the Lord is showing up. And, and, they, and the name of Jesus really drives them crazy. And the blood of Christ, they can't handle that. And so we're singing praise songs. And, and, and all of a sudden, this, this boy starts you know, just convulsing and, 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 and he became violent and his tongue's wagging out and he's, every time he hears the name of Jesus, he just screams. And his mother's never seen any of that before. She just knew he couldn't talk. And now he's manifesting demons. And so during the prayer meeting, you know, I, I went ahead and, and I got down on my knees and came to the boy and some other people are gathered around and I'm, I'm you know, going to cast a demon out of the boy and he kicks me right in the groin. I'm telling you, and I said, okay, would somebody please help me? Somebody please help me get him away. <laughs> Anyways, we, we, we couldn't cast the, the demons out. And again, I thought, maybe this is another one of those that involve children. This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. But I thought, you know, there's, maybe I just, there's some things I just need to learn. And so someone said, you know, there's, uh, they're doing a conference uh, they were doing a conference at, I think, Restoration Church, back in Restoration Church was, was big up in Euless. And, and, there's, and they got some guys coming in that are like specialist experts in casting out demons. I said, really? Great, I'm sure I got a lot to learn. So I told the mother, I said, why don't you uh, meet me at the, at the church? I'll be there and I'll be, you know, make sure you can get in another doorway because there's big crowds coming to this conference. And so she comes there, and I asked, some pe- I asked people, I said, who, who, who's the couple that, you know, really knows how to do all this stuff? And 
because I want to learn. And they actually had their own card. They had a card. It didn't say Demon Buster, but it, it said something like, you know, Exorcist or something. I thought, well, they must really know what they're doing because, I mean, they got their own card that says exorcist on it. So I'm sure I got a lot to learn. So the mother and, and the son are brought into a room, and I'm in there, and here comes the couple in there, an older couple. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. I mean, I'm really ready to take notes here. And they went through all kinds of stuff that I don't see anywhere in the Bible. And, you know, in the time they're done, nothing's changed with the boy. I think he's worse off. Now I think he you know, probably needs counseling for several years after this. But I thought, you know, that, that, that was not, I mean, that wasn't helpful. And then, so they brought a big group in and, 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 all, and the group all gathered around and started praying in tongues out loud all at the boy. I thought, well, this is not helping. I mean, I'm not seeing any change in the boy. All I'm seeing now is he's seeing everybody, you know, wild-eyed, praying in tongues at him. And so if he wasn't totally traumatized before that moment, he is now. And I just, and I, then the Spirit of the Lord said something to me right then. He just said, you know what to do. I thought, I do know what to do. This kind, this kind comes out only in prayer and fasting. So I, I just kind of stopped the whole thing, and I went to the mother, and I said, yeah, I'm really sorry about this whole night. I'm sorry you came here. I'm sorry all this happened because I don't, I don't think any of it was helpful. So I said, I, I, want, I want you to come. Uh, I, I want to meet you in four days. I want you to bring your son in four days to my office. She said, okay. So she left. And so I fasted for the next four days. And I prayed and fasted for four days. And I go back to my office and it's time for her to bring her son. And I'm sitting in my office. This is the same little boy who was violent, screaming, kicking me scratching. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm, I'm in my chair, and the mother comes in the doorway with the son. She stands in the doorway. She just stands there not knowing what to do. And her son lets go of her hand and starts walking toward me. And I'm watching him. He crawls up in my lap, lays his head on my chest, and I whisper, in the name of Jesus, come out of here. And then he makes, and then he utters his first word in nine months. Now, he didn't start speaking full sentences immediately, but he got all of it back. In fact, uh, I saw him at, at a playground uh, probably uh, maybe six weeks later. His mother said, I can't remember his name, but his son, her mother was there and the son was there and he came up and he's, he, everything's fine now. And he's totally recovered. He's speaking in full sentences. Everything's normal. But I'm just telling you all that to say that, that, that there is a connection sometimes between a, a, a severe sickness of some sort and a demon. And this dumbness in this boy was connected with a demon that, got man, that clearly manifests itself during praise and worship. But we couldn't get out unless, until there was prayer and fasting. So keep that in mind, by the way. That, that's why you, we don't need some, you don't need, you know, super apostle to come do this. You can do this. But you might need to go pray and fast before you can do it. Okay. But you have the same spirit of God lives in me, lives in you. But I had to go pray and fast for four days. And so many times, you, you might have to as well. Just realize, but you have that authority and power. So don't just think, well, I couldn't get the demon out to give up. No, think, wait a second, let's go to work on this. Let's go pray and fast and, and meet again and see what happens. What I, what I, I used to, you know, we used to spend hours you know, trying to cast demons out of somebody. And, and, real, and it, you know, if I didn't have authority in the first five minutes, I didn't have, much more, I didn't have more authority in an hour. 
that make sense? So what I needed to do is go pray and fast, and then I've got so, I carry a different spiritual authority into the room. I don't feel any different. And, I can, and, it, and it's not about hype. It's not about how the, the volume level. In the name of Jesus, it's not about all that. It's about authority. That's why I could just whisper it. Because it was authority, and out the demon, demon came. And you had the same authority. But again, remember, every, everything's done according to your faith. You got to believe you have this authority. You got to believe it. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to supernatural knowledge. Mark uh, 1 23 through 25. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Demons do have. Uh, supernatural knowledge. Uh, they know the truth. In the spiritual realm, they know what they're dealing with. Let me tell you another story. There was, I was actually at our, our college ministry house, the Cornerstone, and I'm, I'm doing, I was, I was there, and, and this girl showed up, and she, she was obviously been on the street. She really looked rough. She seemed bizarre, and I thought, I think she might have a demon. I mean, she was, it was beyond just, you know, a little bizarre. There, there was really indications. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to bring her into my office and I want to put on some praise music as I'm talking to her and see how she handles the praise music. So I had some praise music on. And, and, and she's sitting there and as soon as the word Jesus or anything about the blood of Christ came in, in the music, she started screaming. She just started screaming. And, 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 and she's, she's starting to get violent and, and manifest demons. And I'm by myself in the office. I'm thinking, I think we got one. <laughs> but again, this was early on. I thought I wasn't sure what to do. And I'm like, before I know it, she runs out of the office. And I thought, well, great, great man of God, Gary Hutchison. You, know, you just got scared. You got scared. You couldn't, you, know, you let her run right out. And I thought, Lord, forgive me for my timidity. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Forgive me, Lord. And so I, I just started thinking, you know, going back to praying and saying, I've got to, I've got to learn how to, to, to do this. And so she came back like a couple days later. And, and again, I should have just cast a demon out, but I'm still kind of like really want to make sure she's got one. So she, she's sitting there and I, here's what I pray. I pray this silently. There's no way her, her, her earthly ears could hear this. I pray it silently. What I pray silently is, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that she sees me as I am in Christ. And he said, well, why did you do that? I don't know why I did that. I just did it. But as soon as I prayed that, you know what she did? She went, oh! And I'm, I'm like, well, why are you doing that? She said, you're too bright! Amen. Again, it's just the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in me and Christ in you. It's just real. It's just real. And it hit me there. There's, a, there's another level of the reality that's hit me. Like, wow, this is real stuff here. There's no way. She didn't hear anything. The demons are responding to, to, to me and Christ. So anyway, I like to tell you that I just cast a demon out then, but I didn't that day either. She ran back out. So I'm like, man, I'm three strikes and I'm out here, Lord. Give me one more chance, Lord. 
one more chance. I mean, I know I'm blowing it, but I really want to learn to do this. So me and another friend of mine who was, 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 was helping with college ministry, we're driving down the road, and, I'm, and I saw her walking. I said, there she is. You know, this time we're going to do it. So we pull, we pull over and say, hey. And her name was Barbara. I said, Barbara, get in the car. She gets in, and I thought, and right away I said, there's no backing down. I said, in Jesus' name, come out of her. And I'm telling there's a little bit of rumbling around in the back seat. And then I saw, for the first time, I saw a whole different countenance. And tears came down her cheek. I said, what's going on? And she had a whole different, it's like a, a, this, the real person. I was talking to the real person for the first time. She's like, I'm just, I feel, I feel peace. You know, like the torment, the torment's over. And that's, again, that's just the authority that every believer has in Christ. You have that authority. But things will be done according to our faith. Like I say, you saw me, you saw me you know, back down the first couple times, right? Because I got a little scared. But, but we've got to walk in faith, believe in who we are in Christ and believe his promises. But, my, but she had supernatural knowledge. That was my whole point there. Okay, split personality. Mark 5, verses 6 through 8. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Okay, other voices from within, Mark 5, 9, he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. By the way, we don't go looking for demons. You don't go looking for them. Anybody who, I've seen some people get real excited and go, we're going to go find us some demons, you know, and cast them. I'm like, well, obviously you've never really, you know, dealt with one, if that's your attitude. Because it is draining, it is exhausting. You know, it's, it's, you don't go looking for one. But when they manifest, you deal with them. And you don't call them up. I know some people call them up, you know. They'll be praying for someone and say, now I'm just see if there's anything, I'll call it up. No, don't, you don't call it up. I'm going to give you some specific steps in a moment. Only we, what we see Jesus and the apostles doing is this. Again, that's what we're following. We're following that example. Jesus and the apostles, when a demon manifests in a person, that's when they deal with it. Otherwise, they're speaking the truth in love. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing all those sorts of things. But if a demon manifests, they deal with the demon then. They don't go looking for him. They don't call him up. Okay. Unusual physical strength. Uh, we see that in Mark 5, verse 3 and 4. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him, any, him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue, subdue him. Don't try to subdue somebody. Don't try to hold on to them. You, just use your authority in Christ. In the name of Jesus, I command you to sit down. I command you to be quiet. I command you to be still in Jesus' name. I mean, don't, don't, try, to, it's not, don't try to physically deal with the situation. Acts 19, verse 13 through 16. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them 
and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Again, it's only true believers in Christ who have this authority. All right, fits of rage, convulsions foaming at the mouth, Luke 9, 39 and 42. And behold, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams and throws him into a convulsion with foaming at the mouth. And as it mauls him, it scarcely leaves him. While he was still approaching, the demon dashed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Uh, sometimes we'd have people when we're praying over them and if a demon manifests, cast out demons, they, they want to throw up. They have... In fact, we had new carpet in the building one time and this woman was starting to throw up and I said, in the name of Jesus, do not throw up on this new carpet. <laughs> Get a bucket here real quick or somebody. Seriously, I really did that. But anyway. All right, occult powers. Acts 16, 16, and it happened that as they were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl having the spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. She did have occult power. Occult powers are real. But just remember, remember the, uh, Moses had his staff, and, and then, of course, the Pharaoh's magicians, they, they, they had theirs turned into snakes. Remember that? That was real power, right? But then Moses, his staff turns into a snake that eats their snakes? That's the greater power. That's the power that lives in us. Okay, so again, don't be afraid of occult power. It's real, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. All right, reaction to the name of Jesus. Many demonized people cannot, uh, they can't stand the name of Jesus. They, they react to that, react to the blood of Christ. In fact, one of the things that I'll do, if I, sometimes, I, and I've done this before, if I'm really not sure uh, whether or not that's a demon or not, or if it's just something else, some mental thing or something, I'll read Isaiah 53, the atonement. And if there's a demon there, they cannot sit through that. They cannot sit through a reading of Isaiah 53. They can't. They'll, they'll have to scream out. Okay, inability to work, renounce the works of the devil. That's another one. I had a young man that uh, was doing seances, and, and he, wanted, he wanted deliverance. And I told him, I said, well, I want to walk you through this. And by the way, I'm going to close this session by all of us speaking some things. But before we leave here, renouncing some things. But I, I wanted him to, re, to walk through and, and repeat after me a few things. One of the things I want him to do is not only respond to Christ with faith, but also I said, now I want you to renounce the works of the devil. And he couldn't get it out of his mouth. He couldn't say the words. I mean, he couldn't say it. He could not mouth the words to renounce the works of the devil. It took a while to get there. But that's another thing that, that is usually the case uh, with those who've been involved in the occult. Sometimes it's hard for them to renounce the works of the devil even after they left the occult. Inability to listen to praise music, I've already covered that. Okay, the causes of demonization, yielding to sin, uh, just opening ourselves. By the way, you don't just, people, you know, you're not standing on a street corner one day, mind your own business, and you get a demon. That's not how it works. You know, you have to yield yourself to sin. You have to yield yourself to his control. And one of the big ways is participating in the occult, which is the next one. Participating in the occult. Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 and 11 is very clear on this. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who uses divination, or one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. 
Okay, so those who have been involved in the occult, uh, it's real easy for them to have demonic activity in their life uh, that needs to be uh, dealt with. Our spiritual rebellion is also the case. Rebellion is as a sin of divination, 1 Samuel 15. Okay, I want to walk through the, the cure of demonization. First of all, victory is through the cross of Christ. All right, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. These are demonic powers, by the way. The rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So that's the first. There's victory through the cross of Christ. And I'm talking about a person coming to the cross experientially. Dying to self to follow Jesus. Okay, the cross of Christ and really receiving the power of what was done at the cross. B, victory is through the blood of Christ. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. Remember in the Passover when, when they were supposed to put the blood of the, of the, of the Lamb in, in Egypt, when they were in captive, Israel's in captive in Egypt, and, they're, and, and, they're, and, and Moses come to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and, and they were told to put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the doorway, and then the angel of death would not come to that house. Remember that? And so, why? why? Because because it, that angel cannot go past that the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is a shield. Those firstborn are spared. The angel of death, and I believe is, is a demon that God is allowing to kill these firstborn. God has lifted the protection unless they had the blood of the lamb. That's a really important picture for us to see. When we come to Christ, I mean, we actually, I mean, positionally, the blood of Christ is applied to us, but also... I would like to make one application here. It talks about in 1 John 1, 9, Jerry quoted it, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all our sins and unrighteousness. But two verses earlier, it says, as we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. And so, so it really is important that we understand to deal with, to confess sin, to walk in the light, and the blood of Jesus is applied in that way. Also, victory in the name of Christ. We've talked about that quite a bit already, Matthew 10, Acts 16. Let's just look at Jude 8 9 real quick. Okay, in the same manner, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him, against the devil, a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So, so even, even Michael the archangel, all his power still has to refer to the power that's in, in the Lord to rebuke the devil. And when we rebuke the devil, when we are casting out demons, we're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus. He has the power. He has the authority. Victory is in the name of Christ. Victory is in the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 4, you are from God, little children, have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We were in a prayer meeting uh, one time, and, and the morning before everyone went to work, we had a group praying at the church, and it was back when we were crossing from high school, and during the prayer meeting, we had three guys come in to the room, all wearing these black, kind of gothic, black uh, outfits, and they came in, and they stood around us while we were praying, and I looked up, and I thought, well, they're just here to make fun of us, and, and they stood there for a while, and one of them kind of snickered, and, but then they all left. 
they went back outside of the meeting. So I was kind of curious, so I went out there to talk to him. As I went out to talk to him, I said, why did you come to the meeting? And he, and he said, we came to make fun of you. I said, why did you leave the meeting? Well, the one guy said, well, he said, I'm a warlock. He said, and when I came close to him, when y'all were praying, my body started shaking. So that's why we left the meeting. I said, what does that tell you? You're on the losing side. Don't you want to change sides? Well, he's like, well, I don't know about that. One of the other guys is listening. So they all three leave. The other guy, one of the other guys changes his shirt, comes back. Two months later, he's baptized at church. Now, praise the Lord. That is, it's really a cool story. But that was just the power of the Holy Spirit. We were just in a prayer meeting. I mean, we, weren't, we weren't commanding anything. We were just praying, but it's the presence of the Lord that, that these demons could not handle that manifest presence of God. All right, victories through prayer and fasting. We've talked some about this already. All right, let me walk through specific steps. Number one, always start by preaching the gospel. Sometimes just someone receiving the truth of Jesus, you know, is, 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 is that does it. I mean, the deliverance takes place when they, when they repent and believe. All right, because remember, demonization is like a spectrum. You have someone who's being tempted here, and they have someone who's totally demon-possessed here. And there's different levels of control depending on how much they're demonized, how much they've yielded themselves. And so I always start with just, can I talk to the person and tell them about Jesus? Because if they receive the truth of Jesus, who is the truth, then they can be set free. That, that can do the whole thing. Start with the gospel. Always start with the gospel. And I think Paul's a great example of that because even the, the girl who had the spirit of divination, what's Paul out doing? He's preaching the gospel. All right, start with the gospel. All right, number two, confess sin. I encourage people to confess sin, try to get them to repent and confess of sins that they've fallen into. And sometimes that alone, just their finally repentance and confession, the enemy loses control. All right, thirdly, I would ask them to renounce, walk through and renounce the works of the devil. Just renounce those works. Sometimes there have been packs made with, deals made with the devil. They have to be broken. And, uh, and this, this is a difficult step for those who've been involved in the occult, but it, it can be done. Number four, destroy occult objects. There have been like four different times says, so it hadn't happened a lot, but I can think of four times this happened in my life where someone's come to me and said, strange things are happening in my house. Things are just moving around the house on their own. Now, most people would laugh that off. I don't laugh it off because I, I know it can happen. And, and I'll say, what I'll ask them is this. I'll say, is there anybody living at that house involved in the occult? And they'll say, well, uh, I don't know. Or there used to be, or whatever. Like one, one gal, I went to her home, and, and she said, N -n -n my brother used to live here, and I think he was into some weird stuff. I said, well, is any of his stuff here? She said, no, he moved out. I said, you sure? None of his stuff is here. She went up in the attic and found a whole, ch a whole chest full of witchcraft books and demon worship and Satan worship books. I said, okay, get all that and burn it. And as soon as all this stuff was out of the house and burned, all that weird stuff stopped in the house. And all four times that I've been involved in this, there was always some occult activity had been taking place in that house, and there was still something left from it, some, some paraphernalia, something, a book, something. But every time when we found what it was, destroyed it, all that weird activity stopped. Okay, I think we have a precedent of this, Acts 19, 
verses 18 through 20. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. Many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. It's interesting. I told you about the, the young, younger guy who had, was doing seances, and, and then I, he came to Christ and really had to go through some deliverance because of his heavy involvement. One of the things we had him do was they had all of his books, and we got rid of all of, the, of his books that were occult books. And his parents, who were Christians and who were part of this church, were upset. They said, do you know how much those books cost? I said, who cares how much they cost? We're talking about your son being set free from here. But again, I'm just telling you, that that's how some people are thinking, even in churches. All right. All right, break relationships with occultists. All right, there was a, we have a gal, a lady in our church whose sister-in-law uh, was, had, had, was overseas and she'd gone insane. She's insane. She's in a mental hospital. She has totally lost her sanity. And they went, and they're standing around the hospital bed and she, she actually uh, emailed me about the whole situation. I, and, and as I was praying about it, I said, what's, is her mother involved in something uh, occultic? And, and sure enough, her mother had been. So I said, try this. Go into the room and just say, in the name of Jesus, we break every connection with your mother. Just, just try this. what happens. So they did. They went in there, the hospital room, and said, in the name of Jesus, we break every connection with your mother, who's the occultist, in Jesus' name. And as soon as they did that, she screamed out, ah! And as soon as she finished screaming, her sanity was back. Immediately it happened. Okay, uh, resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. We don't ever run from the devil. Remember, the Bible says there's three things you flee from. What are they? Flee immorality. Flee the love of money. Flee idolatry. Never flee the devil. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. All right, meditate and apply the word of God. Again, the sword of the Spirit. Jerry talked about that. Really, the word of God can go in and and just the truth can set people free. And then corporate prayer, getting people praying for that person. These are all important steps. And number nine, if necessary, exorcism in the name of Christ. You notice where I put that? I put that, I'm saying that, that, that start off with the gospel, you know, and the word of God and these, these simple steps. And then if, if, if that doesn't do it, then in the name of Jesus, cast a demon out. And don't go looking for a fight. The fight comes to you. Deal with it with spiritual authority in Christ. And I, th I encourage you to do it with a team, if at all possible. Get a couple other brothers and sisters with you, and, and they can be praying for you as one person's, you know, commanding, and the other person's, people are praying. All right, Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. I, I imagine probably everyone in this room has been in an airplane. You know how an airplane's landing? And, and you hit the ground, and then they, they put the engines in reverse. You're still going forward. You look out the window, you're going forward, but you feel like you're going backwards, right? That's kind of how spiritual warfare is. I mean, sometimes you, you feel like, you know, golly, you feel like you're getting pushed back, but just keep, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, guys. We're the, we're the church of Jesus Christ. Just keep going, because if we could really see everything, we know we're still winning, and just keep believing that. Okay, how I'd like to do this closing ministry time is simply this. There's a, 
more than likely with this many people, there's someone here or more than a few of you probably who, who need to just really kind of walk through this closing time together. I'm not going to deal with every possible avenue, but one thing I do want to deal with is I want us all to stand. Go ahead and stand up. But I want to just deal with those who have, have actually participated uh, in the occult in the past. And I'm not asking you to come up or raise your hand or anything, because we're all going to do this together. Because even if you hadn't been involved, this prayer is not going to hurt you. But I just basically want you to, uh, we're going to renounce all occult activity any of us have been involved in. We're going to renounce all the works of Satan in our life. We're renouncing all and any covenants made by me or for me, but to Satan. We're going to reject and disown all the sins of our ancestors. We're going to cancel out all demonic working that has been passed down to us by our ancestors. And by the way, as you leave here, if you have any occult objects in your house, when you go home, get rid of them. Out of your house. Destroy them. Burn them. Immediately. Don't let, don't let them hang around. And then I'm going to close this in prayer. But, but I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I'll close this in prayer. So let's, let's go ahead and start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave us the, the, the glorious truth of knowing Christ and opened our eyes to the glorious gospel and you made us sons and daughters of God and, you, and you, you redeemed us and you cleansed us of sin by the blood of Christ and you've come by your spirit to live in us. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us more than conquerors. You've made us victors. We are overcomers in you. And Lord, and we, 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 we believe that. We believe who we are in you. And we tell you we love you. In Jesus' name, we love you. Okay, I just want you guys to repeat after me uh, these brief sentences now. I renounce all occult activity in my life. I renounce all the works of Satan in my life. I renounce all covenants made by me and for me to Satan. I reject and disown all the sins of my ancestors. I cancel out all demonic working that has been passed on to me from my ancestors. I, I cancel out all demonic working that has been passed on to me from my ancestors. Thank you, Jordan. Lord, here we are. We just ask, would you even now consecrate us new to you? Consecrate us fresh. Cleanse us in a fresh way, Lord, from all these things. Cleanse us totally. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, I, I, in Jesus' name, I cancel out every demonic assignment against everyone in this room. Just cancel it out, Lord. I pray now that we would just walk out full of faith, clean and filled and strong in you. Lord, if anyone has any occult objects, Lord, that they would be able, you'd, you'd lead them to them. They could remove them quickly from their house. And Lord, I pray that this week we'd find ourselves walking in just great faith and confidence who we are in you. You give us spiritual eyes to see the battles around us and we know how to fight it. In Jesus' name, amen.